So you know how we would always open these podcasts with a little bit, with a little comedy bit. I mean, we don't do it all the time anymore. Now we just kind of riff and say hello. And But for the first couple of years of the show, we used to open every episode with a little comedy bit. Well, I hate this track so much that I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Hate oh, it. No. This track You're is just burying the lead. No, 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 this track is so or the awful. opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, this track is so awful that it makes me think like, like it, it makes me puts me off to the idea of little comedy bits all together. So I'm like, there's nothing oh, we can no, do. No. <laughs> so well, episode over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, hey, good morning, Tiffany. Uh, Hey, you know what? I just wanted to thank you for this amazing breakfast. Uh, the scrambled eggs and cinnamon toast. Mmm, delicious. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hope you're all enjoying your breakfast. Your breakfast. Oh, those of you that listen to us while you're enjoying your breakfast. You're just diving right in. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> this two-week <laughs> schedule really throws me off. I'm like... How do we start an episode? What do we do? Right, because we start the Patreons differently. That's right. Speaking of Patreons, we were guests over on Church Jams Now. Well, yeah. Their uh, they Patreon did a trivia- live no. stream thing. Right. It was like a trivia night yeah. that for like the patrons were invited to. And we they invited all their previous guests as well. And we showed up, and then we won. <laughs> yeah. So for everybody out there who's like, you're not Christian enough, hey, <laughs> We won the Church Jams Now Trivia Night. Uh, very few of the questions were actually based around Christian music. They were. <laughs> there was one section where it was like, finish these lyrics. And those were all Christian-based songs. Right. Yeah. 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 So that was a good time. Was this song inspired by that the breakfast song by whoever that was by? I had not heard that song before. Is that DC Talk Newsboys? I what? don't know. The- Oh, they oh. don't serve breakfast in hell. Oh, they play. Yeah, that's right. They played the part of uh, Newsboys don't serve breakfast in hell. Jessica had never heard that. That's a, that's a good point. We can bring up that song if we want to take up talk about a better bad song. This isn't even a song this week. We could talk about the Newsboys. They don't serve breakfast in hell. I'm sure that's not the name of the song. What's the song called? <laughs> the Newsboys is a band that I never really listened to, but um, like it's called Breakfast. Uh, but, you know, I was always familiar with their existence. <laughs> you know what it would be? You never heard this way... song? No. You know what and would I've be a way more badass well. song? What? It would be, I hope they serve breakfast in hell. <laughs> it's like a, a Motley Crue song or something. I don't know. It's about going around picking up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast is your heroine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Well, anyway, how's a pregnancy report, Jessica? How's oh. it going? How's it going? How uh, you feeling? Going good. Going good. We have a an ultrasound tomorrow. I've just been really tired. <laughs> Taking lots of naps. Well, you told me something important about this week for the baby's development inside you. Oh, that's right. The baby can now hear Danny's voice as well. Yeah, so the baby is listening to I'm sure he's heard the... April's barking because it says they can hear like loud <laughs> noises. So I'm sure that uh, he, he's already familiar with my voice and April's. So the baby's listening to the podcast right now. Oh, that's true. So we, we this should that. be, a, we, we need to make this a good episode. 
if the baby's going to keep listening. And I don't so feel like we're on, up to this snuff is where, yet. This is where we have to turn the corner. Yeah, I feel like we're still just warming up tonight, but we need to do a really good job if we're going to keep this baby subscribed to his parents' podcast. He's like, ugh. Oh, no, they're recording again. I saw, yeah. I listened to that Breakfast at Timpani's episode, and <laughs> that was not that good. <laughs> do we have any top-of-the-show business? We do. We do have a voicemail. Nice. And it is from a new caller. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is James. I found the pod a couple weeks ago and have kind of been binge-listening to episodes here and there, um, especially with my favorite album, Forget Not Slow Down. So I've heard of a lot. I've heard you guys talk a lot about your theories and um, why you think that some of the songs are broken up, like, uh, you know, the the intros and outros, Candlelight and Flare, why it's two songs instead of just one. And when I first got it, um, that kind of drove me crazy because I would listen to it on shuffle a lot. And that made it really not a very good listening experience. So then I was like, well, because it's like this, I just won't do it on shuffle. I'll just listen to it start to finish. And I think that's the reason why, is to discourage people from listening to it on shuffle, because listening to it from start to finish is such an experience. Uh, he takes you on such a wild ride. You guys talk about the um, the dramatic flair that, that Thiessen has, and, but it's, it's a story from beginning to end, and you can almost go through every phase of the of the grief cycle of the grief pattern um as you from start the album and go all the way to the end of the album you even have your angry songs like in a way sahara has a kind of a really bitter undertone to it um but then you know all the way to the end also i think it's really interesting there's a theme of forget not slow down uh, throughout the whole entire album that forget not slow down and um you know, but at the very end, it kind of flips a little bit. He says, um, think real slow, which is not slow down, but this is the opposite. Think real slow and don't forget that yes is yes and no is no. So the whole album, it's forget and not slow down, forget and not slow down. The very end, it's slow down and think, think real slow and don't forget that yes is yes and no is no. And I think the the poetic device there it's such a it's such an awesome experience from start to listen. So that's why that's my theory on why it is like that is to discourage people from listening to it on shuffle so that way they can get the full experience. Anyway, I love the podcast. Still listen to a bunch of the episodes, but uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. That's a really good point. I yeah. totally see how that is. Like to actually have kind of split little portions of the song off into those tracks that makes you not able to listen to it on shuffle that's a really good point yeah that's kind of like how um david lynch doesn't like chapter titles and dvds like you have to experience the whole film so like certain david lynch dvds don't have chapter selection on the movie it's just one the whole movie is one chapter if you want to some of them might even be locked from fast forwarding but i don't know if that's true I just remember the straight story was the first one where I was like, I put the disc in, I watched the whole movie, and then I was like, oh, I want to go back and watch that one scene. I'm like, oh, there's no chapters. And then I Googled, why are there no chapters on this DVD? And I found out that he doesn't like chapters. Anyway, that's an example of something similar, right? Yes. <laughs> You're looking at me so bewildered. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I totally agree. Yes. I was just thinking, you know, how, how much of a joy it is when breakfast at Timpani's comes up on your shuffle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's a belch at the beginning of this song. It's like, why? Are we going to get into it right away? <laughs> I, want to, I want to put it off where this episode's not even 10 minutes long and we're already getting into it. <laughs> um, well, I'm getting into you, so... <laughs> Let's anything else anything else to talk about top of the show business i think that's a really good point maybe that yeah, is a really is. good reason why they would have uh had all these little tracks is then you can't listen to it on shuffle well forget them because i'm gonna not slow down and i'm gonna edit together a special shuffled version oh no <laughs> i'm gonna edit the little tracks that get separated into one track then i'm gonna shuffle that track list together what do you think of that what do you think of that reliant k oh boy <laughs> Yeah, I'm so mad at you guys because you made breakfast at Timpani's. <laughs> he really was like, Danny was like, this is the, Danny was like, no, this is the worst Reliant K song ever. And I was like, didn't you just say that about Silly Shoes? And he's like, no, I have a point to make about that. So please, so, Danny. <laughs> when we did Silly Shoes, I was like, a lot of people like Silly Shoes. They enjoy it. They think it's funny. I think it's humorous. I don't think it's funny. Right? Like, I was down on Silly Shoes. I was, I just found, like, I was never totally enamored with the existence of Silly Shoes. I was familiar with the idea when that, when I heard that track for the first time, I was already familiar with the idea of, like, goofy white guys do bad rap on purpose and you laugh. Like, I already knew that was a thing that happens before Reliant K did it. But when we listened to it, I had criticisms about silly shoes i was like there's ways this could have been funnier there's ways this could have been better but i understand why silly shoes exists there's a place for it it should be on the album it's a hidden track it's a hidden track it's there to be enjoyed if you find it so i was down on silly shoes i don't hate silly shoes i just think it's i just i'm just like yeah it's not for me it's ridiculous and i don't get a lot of joy out of it Breakfast at Timpanies is just like the worst thing that they've done. You don't like, you get mad about mood rings? Well, your eyes aren't open to just how stupid this track is. Wow. <laughs> Tell it's, us how you really feel, Dan. It's just so weird. And it's not even hidden. It's not even hidden. That's the thing is it's right in the middle of the album, right in the back half of the album. So do you Just this little sketch, this little comedy sketch with a horrible punchline (laughs) that makes no sense. And it's executed incredibly badly. Like, I don't understand (laughs) why they did this. So if you haven't heard it, it's like 18 seconds long. So it's like, you know, go. maybe I just played the whole thing at the top of the show or I played a portion of it. It's a very short sketch. On a really bizarre premise, if you haven't heard it somehow, you can go listen to it. Like I said, it's 18 seconds long. But it's just like you hear a bunch of people in like a restaurant. I got to ask I gotta ask questions about that. But you hear a bunch of people, a whole group of people having a meal. And then you hear Tyson go, oh, hey, Timpani, thanks for inviting us to breakfast. He says a little bit more than that. But he's like, thanks for inviting us to breakfast. And then you hear a Timpani go, boom, boom. And I'm like, what? <laughs> It's so bizarre and incredibly stupid. And that's probably the idea. But it's just like, it's such a bad joke and it's not executed well. And I'm just like, I don't understand why they thought this was worth spending any time on. (laughs) 
I wonder if like they just went in the studio or to church one day or something and there happened to be a timpani drum there and uh Tyson was like huh breakfast at timpanies <laughs> and then he brought it to the band and they were like sure we'll do that someone should have said no <laughs> is what they should have done that's actually why brian left the band two albums later right. so this they had, had been fighting over breakfast at timpanies and the inclusion of it for years so this is essentially like i mean this is years before such a thing existed but this is essentially like a bad tweet this is like a tweet you leave in drafts and then you delete this is like yeah. a bad tweet fleshed out into a little sketch and it's so bizarre and so bad and illy can and illy if badly conceived it smells like peaches man <laughs> right so we'll talk about the production and the some of the details in a second but this is like a bad idea for a tweet like just some like you, you like you come up with a pun and of course relying k is known for their pun work and their wordplay so to say something is called breakfast at timpanies I'm not immediately going to think like, oh, that's a horrible pun joke right off the bat. It's just what they choose to have created with such a pun. It's just, it it serves no purpose. It's not going to make you laugh. <laughs> it's not going to make you think it's cute. I don't know. How Maybe do you feel about it? it did make you it? laugh. Maybe it made some people laugh. <laughs> you know, I actually realized that I hadn't really listened to this track <laughs> because as mentioned before... I was an early adopter of uh, iTunes, so I just bought the songs that I liked off of this album, and anything else I just kind of left, so I definitely did not purchase this track. So I'm like, even though this was the first album I heard, I was on a busy, you know, bus on our way back from... Our ski trip mm-hmm. with the youth, my church youth group. So I, we obviously we weren't going to hear. I wasn't going to hear every single little track. It was, you know, Sadie Hawkins' dance that really caught my attention, and this came after it at some point. And I don't know if I was still listening or not, or if I had put headphones on then. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a choice. So it's between it's my a choice. It's track fourteen. And it's between my way or the highway, and the rest is up to you. And yeah, it's a choice. It's just so bizarre. And like, I'm ob- I'm not against the idea that they would do a skit in the middle of the album. Like, they've done little skits. They've had little bits on their albums. They, you know, they have Buddy from Charles in Charge calling you up at the beginning of the Charles in Charge thing. They have the voicemail from uh, Toby Mac saying a song about Marilyn Manson will never this be on a go-to record. This is worse than anything off of the self-title. This is more embarrassing <laughs> than anything off the self-title. I agree, actually. Including uh, Marilyn Manson ain't my girlfriend or just my girlfriend as it's titled. Right. Probably self-titled. And then on the next album, you have Kids on the Street, which is so much more of like a graceful and interesting and slightly artful inclusion of just here's a little snippet of some audio of Reliant K talking to some random kids for a second. Like, that's an interesting interstitial. And, like, there were a lot of these things on, like, I loved the early records of Reggie and the Full Effect, and they did a lot of weird little sketches. There was, like, you know, Drunk Guy and Drunk Girl at Get Up Kids show. They had a lot of those talking bits and stuff. So I like the idea of having a rock album, you know, having an album, I guess, it, and I guess rap albums have a lot of bits and skits, right? Like, um, that's what some of the bits and skits on the Reggie and the Full Effect albums would parody is like rap skits. But 
I don't really know rap music, so I don't really know like the most famous skits and sketches and interstitial bits on rap CDs. But I know a handful of them from rock CDs, and I have no problem when those show up. It's just this one is so bizarre and so bad, and I'm like, it serves no purpose. And I'm just like, the joke doesn't land, and it's so strange. And we're going to get into the production of just how they executed this horrible Twitter draft of a joke. But, yeah, I'm like, why did this happen? <laughs> and, um... So it's between my way and the highway, or my way and the my way or the highway, and the rest is up to you. And I, I just, I don't even know, like, where was at what point they decided to make this joke into a little audio skit, and then was it a decision where it's going to go in the sequence? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the interstitial tracks and the short songs on I Forget how... Not Slow Down serve a purpose, yeah, as James I... just called up and said. I wonder how close Reliant K was paying attention to sequencing during Anatomy <laughs> of the Tongue-in-Cheek. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Like, I, I, there was some other stuff that we talked about, something in sequencing, where there was some palate cleanser track that really, like helps get you to a to a later song i can't really remember it but but th- there is some consideration in the way they've sequenced things before but i'm like yeah how much thought went into the sequencing and of how, anatomy how many people listen to this you know like at you know between like markley townsend and then like goatee etc <laughs> and said yeah this is good let's leave this in there <laughs> I'm really ragging on this track. I hope some people don't like love this track because, like, I just don't like it. I don't abide by this track. Uh, like, we've we've well, there was some song recently we did in the last month or something where I wasn't like super up on it, and we got a comment on our YouTube video. It's like, man, you guys really just don't like the songs I like, huh? I'm like, oh, oh I, no. I'm like, whatever, whatever that was. It's like I didn't say I hated it. That was it was a it was a Burden B side song. Hold on, let me look at the Burden B sides. Um, we have to talk about breakfast at Timpanies, and Danny <laughs> just wants you to know he really hates this song. <laughs> That's what the song I Just Want You to Know is about. It's about me wanting you to... There's so much we can, we will have to talk about. We're not just going to rag on and pull apart this song for all that time. What was the song? I don't know. My view on it is just that it exists. I'm like, all it's right. All been it's all done before. It's goofy. It's whatever. But it's there. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of odd. But all right. When we talked, it was Wits All Been Done Before. Like I was like, oh, this doesn't... The, Wits All Been Done Before. That's another one where it's, it's a pun that in and of itself isn't a very it ironically isn't like the cleverest thing wits all been done before instead of it's all been done before like yeah i see how that's like a thought <laughs> but yeah, it's not like, like, it's, like yeah no it's a good like song it. it's a good song but i saw how that becomes a b-side because it's not in and of itself the most clever thing so people be like wits all been done before as a pun it doesn't immediately present itself as Oh, I understand what you're saying. That's how wits all been done before feels to me. Like, as a pun, not everyone's going to hear the phrase wits all been done before and be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Some people are going to be like, what? And then they'll listen to the song and like, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. Someone hears breakfast at Timpanies and you're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? You're going to be like, okay, I guess it's a breakfast with a timpani. Yeah. And that's what they execute. So the joke is... It's a it's a pun on breakfast at Tiffany's, which we'll talk about. But it's breakfast at Timpanies, 
and a timpani is a kind of orchestral drum. So like the joke is they're having breakfast and then Tyson talks to a timpani and then the timpani responds to him by going boom boom. So weird. But it presents <laughs> in the execution of the sketch. I'm left with so many questions. So let's get into that. All right. First of all, when the track starts, it sounds like they're at a busy restaurant. And we'll talk about the burp in a second. But listen to this crowd, right? Oops. <laughs> okay. It sounds like 20 people, right? So you say it's breakfast at Timpanies. And this doesn't this isn't this isn't afforded all the thought I'm going to put into it right now, but oh like my. what else do we have to do? what else do we I got to talk about this. It's breakfast at Timpanies. <laughs> Such a weird, such a bizarre idea. What does that mean? You're going to get breakfast with a timpani drum. You're like so, putting way too much thought into this. <laughs> so what is at timpanies? When you say at timpanies, that's a possessive apostrophe S. So you assume you're going to timpanies place. You're going to timpanies house. You're going to the house that the drum owns to have breakfast at timpanies home. I guess you could also be going to have breakfast at a restaurant that the timpani drum owns. Maybe they're just standing outside of the timpani's place <laughs> of residence or work, and they're eating a donut and having a coffee on the street outside. We'll talk about it. Yes, that's what the movie. That's what the breakfast at Tiffany's movie is about. But you hear like twenty people having breakfast, so it implies to me that they're all at a restaurant. And then when Tyson sees the timpani, he's like this. So, I don't understand where are they? They're at a restaurant or they're at timpani's home? They're and there's a the dozen home. people. Hold on. <laughs> oh, jeez. There's a dozen people so at this breakfast that timpani is hosting. Timpani has supplied a timpani drum. A timpani drum has supplied this breakfast for a giant group of people, and he's saying thank you so much for having this breakfast for us. <laughs> Where? Why is it at the timpani's home, or is it at the timpani's restaurant? And why are there so many people there? You're upsetting April. She just stood up, came over, looked between the two of us, and then came and hid under my chair. <laughs> Danny's Danny so worked up. Why is he so worked up about this 18-second song? It's not even a song. <laughs> so what were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that they're at the hotel the night after In-N-Out Soul Fest, and they're, like, eating at the at the buffet. That is a thing I thought <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're in in re, in reality at the time. They're a touring band. They're a constantly touring band. They're playing hundreds of shows. Well, does it, hundreds? They're playing a hundred or more shows a year. Whatever they played in 2001. So yeah, maybe Timpani is like a concert promoter in the area. <laughs> it's a no, Timpani drum. It's just and it's like thanks for playing. Day. I know, but thank you for playing our our festival or our Christian church. How come by and have a breakfast before you go? But now here's my next question. Why are there so many other people having this breakfast, right? There's so many people that you hear in the background. Who are all these people? This isn't just 
the band. This is like dozens and dozens of people. So that implies to me that Timpani has a restaurant or something or a catering business or this is at a hotel. Maybe this is like the day after a wedding and everyone's been invited to a breakfast. But also like on a Sonic level, like the Sonic, the, the, the like the world that they create is so badly constructed because just listen to this few ignoring the burp which we'll talk about just listen to the first few seconds of this track have you ever been to a restaurant where it's just it's very loud there's so many clinking utensils i don't think i've ever been to a restaurant where it's just clinkity clink 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 clinkity clink 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 maybe it's like a loud like cafeteria style place and there are many folks here yeah i get what i get that that's the idea but like like all the people at this breakfast are just they're just not not stopping they're going so quickly with their fork and knife just the whole time i'm glad i actually literally had a fork on the table Sonically, so it's like they cut and pasted these utensils on plate sound, and they just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Because there's so many clinkity clinkity clink 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 clink. I've never been to a real life restaurant scenario where there's this many forks and knives just flinging and flying at the exact same time. So even on a sonic level, the execution of the world that they try to create, where a sentient timpani drum invites a bunch of, invites dozens of people to a breakfast and makes them scrambled eggs and cinnamon toast, even in this world that they've created, it's not even executed like well in and of itself. It's probably the worst production they've ever done. <laughs> Like even worse than it worse than silly shoes because my thought about silly shoes was it's purposefully bad uh, beats purposefully bad production on top of purposefully bad rapping and they should have done you know decent uh, beats with bad rapping because that would be a little bit better you don't do bad production beats and bad rapping you do one or the other that's the way. Like, a lot of successful comedy rap usually is. Like, The Lonely Island, it's always really good uh, sonically, musically, but then goofy and funny rap-wise. The um, Five Iron Frenzy fake rap, pants rap, the pants opera rap, it's good production, silly rap. So, you know, Silly Shoes purposefully had bad production, bad rap. This, they tried to do something. They tried to fill this sonic world, this palette of just like constantly, constantly clinky, clinky, clinky. But it just, it it blows my mind how like untenable it is and how like not, like it, you already have this really bad joke and then you have this bad decision to just constantly clink, 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 clink. So it's like, what is going on? How do you feel, Jess? How do you feel about Breakfast at Timpanies? I have so many <laughs> thoughts and feelings on this song. And I really hope this isn't any member of Reliant K's favorite song. <laughs> oh, no. As it is still a song that you can listen to on their MySpace page. What? <laughs> I thought all music... Oh, my gosh. I, I, I thought music got scrubbed from MySpace when they had that giant data loss. But somehow this 
This is technically well, isn't even a song is still there. You can listen to Be My Escape Acoustic, Sadie Hawkins Dance, Africa, Don't Blink, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Therapy, Boomerang, Baby, Interstate Love Song. I'm not sure which baby that is. Uh, Witch to Bury, Us or the Hatchet Acoustic, Forget Not Slow Down, If You Want It, Down in Flames, Breakfast at Timpanies, Breakdown, <laughs> When You're Around, Everything Will Be, The Thief, Crayons Can Melt on Us for All I Care. Uh, crazy, is it just going to be every song on. slow? Uh, it's a long, long list. It's a long list. <laughs> yeah, I got it. It might be all of their songs. It might be all their songs. I wonder actually. if that's in order by, like, popularity. What's the well, order so, that MySpace Breakfast made? at Timpanies is uh, very, very popular. Then we're losing listeners left and right. Yeah. But, like, I mean, even if you like this track, you have to admit, it's a horrible idea for a joke. It doesn't make any sense. And in, even in the world that they try to create, it doesn't make any sense. Now, maybe there's a root cause to my incredible vitriol against this track, and that is that when I first heard it, I didn't know what a timpani was. <laughs> I didn't know what a timpani or who timpani was. Like in 2001, gotcha. when this album came out, it's called Breakfast at Timpanies, and I didn't know that a timpani is a drum that goes bum bum. So when the track is called Breakfast at Timpanies, I was like, oh, that's some sort of pun on the title of Breakfast at Tiffany's. I don't know who Timpany is, but I'm sure when I listen to the track, I'll figure that out. So then you hear clinkity clink, 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 burp. And then you hear Teeson say, hey, thank you for the breakfast. The scrambled eggs and the cinnamon toast, mmm, they're great. And then you hear boom, boom. So I was like, What? Why, I, why didn't you just ask Jeeves it, Dan? I should have just asked Jeeves at the time. But to me, I just thought the boom, boom. I thought that's like a rim shot. Like a, <laughs> we executed this joke. So it's, hey, it's breakfast at Timpany's. And we thank Timpany, which I thought was like a girl's name or something. We thank Timpany for the scrambled eggs and cinnamon toast. And that's the end of the sketch. And then like they do, and I, I was even more like, imagine like I'm already pissed off and confused and don't like this track when I know what the joke is that it's a timpani. And yet you didn't at the time bother Ryan K and ask them what the deal with this song was. We did. Oh my goodness gracious! I did on the Electric Youth tour. <laughs> my friend Johnny actually asked Hoops. What's the deal with Breakfast at Timpanies? Why is it there? But I didn't hate it back then. At the time... What's the answer? I'll tell you. Oh. Back then, I didn't hate the track. I was just more flabbergasted and confused by it. So my friend Johnny asks Hoops, what's the deal with Breakfast at Timpanies? And he's like, yeah, we didn't really want to do that track necessarily. Okay. <laughs> so I have offhand information from late 2001... That not everyone in the band Reliant K was like, not they didn't all get it either. <laughs> I feel so. A I feel confident uh, saying yeah. <laughs> that this is just the silliest, dumbest, worst track they ever did. Uh, honestly, this is worse. This is worse. This is the, you know what? And on, it's not like I, <laughs> oh, I'm playing it up for the sake of, you know, just having more to talk about. I think I, I do. I am like partially offended by the existence of this track, but in context, 
in the context that only in the context that we're talking about the entirety of Relying K's song and track catalog. There are worse things in the world. There are worse jokes. There are worse songs. There are worse tracks. There's bad things happening every day in the world. This is not the worst thing in the world. But I do think it is the worst single track Relying K ever recorded or did. (laughs) Well, isn't it great that we can look back now and go, wow, out of all the stuff they did... This is yeah. maybe the worst. And there's, and you know, that means they're doing pretty darn good. We've done a, we've almost done 180 episodes of this show, and I don't think there's any song that like by Relying K that I'm like that is like the worst, most offensive thing. I really hate this. I know other people have that opinion. There are people who absolutely hate like most people don't like most people hate the song Gloria we discovered we discovered that's like probably the most reviled single song in Relying K history when we did that track we found you know references to it being like the least enjoyed Relying K song I like that song (laughs) and I'm sure Danny why and like a lot of people are mad about mood rings and a lot of people get mad about uh faking my own suicide and a lot of people you know don't like you know, different, uh, more hard, their handful of more hardline Christian ideas from some of their early tracks. Totally understand. But just to me, this is the most offensive song. (laughs) This is the most offensive track because it's such a bad idea for a joke executed so poorly in a way that just doesn't make any sense and so skippable. Now, the belch... That's just an extra affront to the whole concept, you know what I mean? <laughs> like if this was a if the whole concept held together and the whole joke actually kind of made sense and made you laugh, then if you're offended by the burp, well you're like, okay, you're just offended by the burp, but the whole track itself is funny. But no, the whole track itself is a bad idea and a bad joke. So the burp is just like an extra slap in the face. (laughs) And I'm not someone to be like totally disgusted by a burp. But it does seem so like out of left field and so strange. And it's also rude if you're at Timpani's home or Timpani's restaurant and you just belch out loud. (laughs) That's really rude. I mean, in in some cultures, burping is actually an expression of this was an amazing meal. But we're but this is this is this is this is definitely set in America. That's one of the few facts about the world that this this track creates is I'm sure this is set in modern times America you of 2001. That. You don't know that, Danny. I feel pretty confident in saying <laughs> that. So someone just belches and then you hear I guess it's Tease and you hear one of the guys in the background say it smells like cream cheese. Is that what he says? It smells like peaches, man. Smells like peaches, man. Every time I hear it, I swear he's saying it smells like cream cheese. But no, he says it smells like peaches, man. Also, Timpani provides this breakfast. (laughs) Who cooks it? Does Timpani cook it? We don't know if this is Timpani's restaurant or Timpani's home. But who cooked, who prepared the breakfast? Is it like a buffet-style breakfast? Was there a wait staff to bring it by? Was it just cooked in the kitchen and then everyone, and then Timpani put together plates for everybody? Also, a breakfast, I don't know about you. Okay, we'll move on to something else. I don't know about you, but just an order of cinnamon toast and scrambled eggs does not sound like an appealing breakfast to me. That's not what I would like for breakfast. That's a that's you, like a lot of carbs. You want a salad and scrambled eggs? 
Yeah, I'll have the Frasier special, please. <laughs> What's your breakfast order? If you were to have breakfast at Timpani's, oh. what would you hope Timpani well, would order for I don't, you? I don't know what all Timpani has on offer, but, I, I, you know, maybe, like, a vegan, like, hash and and eggs, maybe? So Okay. Like a like a vegan corned beef. Yeah, hash. yeah, I've had that somewhere before, and it was very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Danny. Well, well, Dan, does it make you feel? Oh, well, what would I have for breakfast? I'm just, I'm still thinking of breakfast at Timonies. What would I? What do I like for breakfast? I love breakfast burritos. Breakfast burritos are like one of my favorite things. Now, I like them in a specific way. I like sharp cheddar, <laughs> eggs. No beans, crispy potatoes, and maybe a little and a little salsa, but not chunky salsa. Here in California, and now most of the country, places we've lived, Florida, Chicago, uh, where else have we lived? New, New Jersey, New York. A breakfast burrito is usually just eggs, potato, some sort of breakfast meat, and cheese. And that's it. And it's amazing. But for some reason here in California, they're constantly putting beans in breakfast burritos. And I'm like, that's the worst thing. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, no. You know what? I'd like a nice chia seed pudding. That's lovely. With fruit. Yeah. So Mike Herrera is also known for loving breakfast burritos. So one time I tweeted at him and I'm like, how do you feel about beans and breakfast burritos? And he was like, oh, no. (laughs) He was like, oh, gross. No. So... Beans and breakfast burritos. Terrible idea. But for some reason here in California, they do that all the time. A breakfast burrito should just be... And we don't eat bacon anymore because we stopped eating pig years ago. We stopped eating pork. But breakfast burrito should just be breakfast meat, cheese, eggs, potato. That's all you need. And it's not like that's not traditional. It's not like that's an affront to, like, you know, Mexican culture or something. Because I've been to very... uh traditional Mexican restaurants and they have a breakfast burrito and they don't put beans in the breakfast burrito except here in California. Call us up. Let us know how you like your breakfast burritos. Dan, does it make you feel better or worse that some websites categorize this song as gospel? (laughs) Ah, yes. The most beloved gospel song, Breakfast at Timpanies. Yes. (laughs) The gospel of Timpani. Oh, no. (laughs) Bum, bum. So before we did this episode, Danny had not seen Breakfast at Tiffany. Tiffany's, <laughs> so he really wanted to watch we, it. We would have done this. We probably would have done this track like years ago. <laughs> yeah. But the shadow of having to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's, which I own on DVD, it's just not out right now. It's this, packed away. Yeah, but in we have like somewhere. DVDs in storage unit. We yeah. have DVDs under the under the. Uh, coffee table we have dvds in the closet i'm not going looking for it i was like at some point and plus the thing is like sometimes sitting down and watching a movie like it's homework doesn't feel good so it's like we just never got around to doing that so this time we were like no this week we're doing it we're doing breakfast at timpani's i have to watch breakfast at tiffany's the movie that this title is a is a pun on and I had I was like, oh, I've probably seen bits and pieces of Breakfast at Tiffany's. I realized I had never seen any of the movie. I had only seen the horribly racist clips yeah, that are used. Of, a lot in, of real unfortunate things yeah. in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I had only seen the really racist 
content as it's presented in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. When the the Bruce Lee biopic, when he and his wife go to see Breakfast at Tiffany's and you see the racist depiction of a Japanese man in that movie and everyone's laughing at it and Bruce Lee is actually very uncomfortable and then she's like, oh, let's go. And that was like a moment for her character. It's actually kind of like a beautiful romantic moment where she's starting to, she's understanding like the pain of his dealing with racist views on Asians in America. So that's a very nice scene. I'd seen that scene, obviously, in that context. So I was a little prepared for the racist stuff in Breakfast at Tiffany's. But then I also realized I had seen the last five minutes of this movie before. I'd seen the scene in the taxi cab leading up to the very end of the movie. I'd seen that on television or something. It's a good movie. <laughs> it has Aside nothing from the real unfortunate. Ex- except like for the real unfortunate. Mickey Rooney stuff. and a man in his fifties marrying a girl going on fourteen. <laughs> well, that is very unfortunate, but it it does like make sense in the context of the story, which I'll talk about in a second. But the racist stuff is just racist. It has no place in the movie. We watched a YouTube video. That dis- that explained the differences between the original Breakfast at Tiffany's book written by Truman Capote and the later movie. And this YouTube reviewer actually, the YouTube show is called Be Kind Rewind or, yeah, Be Kind Rewind or please. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It is a female movie reviewer. She's not on camera. It's video essay style. I'm sure if you type in Be Kind Rewind Breakfast at Tiffany's, you'll find the video. And it's the differences between the book and the movie. And at one point in the YouTube video, she was a very good movie critic. She discussed the history of the racist stuff in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's and how some of the people involved in the movie were like, we don't need this character. Can we shoot a version where we don't have the character? But basically, Mickey Rooney insisted on playing this as racistly as, as possible well as I, I believe on was, purpose. Yeah, it was Mickey Rooney and I think the director. They had yeah. previously been the roommates at one point. No, I thought it was oh. the screenwriter who objected to it. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't feel like we set up the baseline for the movie. So the the title of this Relying K track is just a parody, a pun. It's just a pun on the title Breakfast at Tiffany's. It in no way relates to the content of the track. It's just like a title that everybody knows. So here's the pun Breakfast at Timpanies and it's you're having breakfast with some timpani drums. No other connection to the movie or book no connections to Audrey Hepburn or any of that stuff. But we did watch Breakfast at Tiffany's because I felt it was just something we had to do for the podcast. And it's a movie from 1961. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's like iconic images. Audrey Hepburn in her black dress with her pearl necklace. And she's standing outside of Tiffany's having a croissant and some coffee. That's literally the breakfast at Tiffany's. It's kind of become a misnomer or a misconception that Tiffany's actually serves food. It doesn't. It's a jewelry store. And the at the time when the movie came out and the book, I think people would have known like Tiffany's is not a restaurant. It's not a place where you get food. So to say breakfast at Tiffany's was actually a very arresting and interesting phrase to have as a title because it would be like, I don't know. 
<laughs> if I said breakfast at Home Depot, you would be like, what? What does that mean? What is it's like, well, let me tell you the story about breakfast at Home Depot. You'd be like, well, you don't have breakfast at Home Depot. So let me hear what this is about. That was the idea of breakfast at Tiffany's. But I think over time, as is that as the title has reached more people, they don't know Tiffany's doesn't serve food. People who don't know what Tiffany's is specifically, they think, oh, you can go there to get breakfast. Anyway, 1961, and it's about Holly Golightly, right? I'm getting all yep. this right so yep. far. And she's just like a free New York spirit. And there's some subtext about, like, is she a sex worker? But in the movie, they make it vague. And she becomes friends with a new tenant in her New York building, who definitely is, in a way, a sex worker. He is well, a, he's like a sugar baby. He's a sugar baby for a, for a married lady in the in he's New like York. He's like a decorator. A, rich, a decorator. Yeah. She's a rich lady with a with a loveless marriage she's very rich she pays for his apartment so he's so he can just be in the city and she can come over and have sex with him anytime. he's a, he's also a writer and he's a writer but he's only written one book he's a semi-failed writer he yeah. published one book so this guy this writer who is a sugar baby to a rich married lady moves into this building with this new york free spirit kind of I hate to use this phrase, but it's just in the context of today, the vernacular, the manic pixie dream girl. She's clearly like the prototype to that character in more modern She's romantic like the 60s comedies. version of that, yeah. But I would say that Holly Golightly isn't exactly the, the problem of the manic pixie dream girl. Because when the phrase manic pixie dream girl in the context of like Garden State and Elizabethtown, when that was originally coined manic pixie dream girl the idea was look at these movies where this very free spirited goofy fun you know like lovely young lady played by like a hip a female actress like your is, zoe deschanel yeah your zoe deschanel's and stuff look at this hip actress who is really just there to prop up the male protagonist Right? Yeah. That's the problem of the quote unquote manic pixie dream girl. That's the social thing is actually working against the value of female stories and female characters and female representation in movies. Just like the phrase Mary Sue, though, it got like weaponized in the opposite direction where like an actually legitimately free spirited female character gets degraded as a manic pixie dream girl. But then you look at the character and you're like, but this character doesn't exist just to prop up the male character. You're using the phrase Manic Pixie Dream Girl wrong. That's kind of what Holly Golightly is. Yes, it's a romantic comedy and they end up together in the end. But like, there is a push and a pull. She doesn't just exist to prop up the male character in this movie. But you can see how like kind of the characteristics of Holly Golightly in the original movie kind of set a blueprint for those characters like Natalie Portman in in uh, Garden State and uh, what's her name? Kirsten Dunst in uh, Elizabethtown. It's Kirsten Dunst in Elizabethtown. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think so. I haven't, I haven't ever seen that movie. And I hadn't watched Breakfast at Tim- Tiffany's in a while. I keep starting to say Tiffany's. I, I feel like I, have, uh, I hadn't actually watched it since college. And the relationship between Holly and Paul reminded me so much of the song Cowboy Like Me by Taylor Swift. And I was like, huh, I wonder if this played any sort of inspiration into that song. Because they're, yeah, they're both sort of, you know, their own free spirit con artist types. Right. 
Um, it's a good movie. The we just barely talk. We just started to talk about it, but we'll talk about like the big, big sore spot in the movie is that Mickey Rooney, white actor Mickey Rooney, plays in Yellowface as a stereotype. And he's so unnecessary. A full stereotype Japanese character. And you, you don't could, need him. You don't need him at all. Nope. He literally only exists. And they and this YouTube video we watched, they say he only existed in the movie for like extra laughs. Yeah. Like, hey, laugh at this like awful depiction of a Japanese American <laughs> and played by a white guy with like the buck teeth and it's like so awful. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. bad. And it's completely unnecessary because he only exists to be like to to like walk into a scene and act wacky and then leave. And you think maybe in the third act when I won't spoil the third act just in case, but when the thing happens in the third act where they walk into the apartment and he's there. I guess I got spoiled a little bit. He's there with some police. And she's like that. He's like that's them. That I'm not gonna do the voice, but he's like that's them. That's them. He's actually literally not needed there <laughs> because they get arrested for something that has nothing to do with him. They just like involved him for no good reason in the scene, just so you could see him one last time in the movie. And yeah, then we looked into. We watched this YouTube video, and it goes so much deeper and worse because it was like Mickey Rooney's idea. Like he loved playing this character and he's like yeah we got to play it up and make it even more stereotypical and just really it's just hilarious when you just mock what the stereotypes of a japanese person <laughs> and this is like years and years after this is 20 years after world war ii it's like people don't need these depictions anymore but i guess if you're raised in that climate of world war ii and propaganda and anti-japanese propaganda then you think that stuff's funny when you saw it in donald duck cartoons and you're like you know, it's just like people who wanted to keep minstrel shows alive for generations Oof. after it served its purpose. Um, it's just so bad. But then it turns out in real life, Paramount... Oh, by the way, this movie's on Paramount Plus if you want to go watch it because it is a Paramount movie. And we got a trial for... We had Paramount Plus for a year from T-Mobile. It ran out right before we got this. So we got another trial with a different login. But anyway... It turns out Paramount falsely announced that they had hired an up-and-coming Japanese comedian to play the role, which almost sounds nice. Wow. And back in 1961, they're casting the role of the Japanese character with an actually Japanese actor. Like, that's so forward. Like, that's a thing that's still a problem today, where they don't necessarily cast, you know, minorities in the roles that they deserve. Turns out it was a complete lie. Turns out the name they made up was like the words hello, goodbye. Like Arigato was one, but then it's like hello, goodbye. That's what the name translated to in Japanese. And it was a lie that they made up and that Mickey Rooney actually went deeper with the racism. And he imagined himself as this Japanese comedian taking the role in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. And then he went on talk shows pretending to be the Japanese actor that he was portraying as the character Lord. in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Just for that, I'm not going to go to his potato fancy. Right? He had a potato store. He had a potato <laughs> had restaurant, a restaurant here in the valley. 
And you can see like it's called Mickey Rooney's Potato Fantasy. Fancy. 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 And they have pictures of the menu and it's just every type of potato. That guy was a potato. Like like it's a like it's a cart at the mall. You know, with a racist attitude like that, it's really surprising to learn that his career spanned two decades. He was the biggest box office draw from 1959 to 1960. Sorry, it is potato fantasy. I knew it. I knew it was potato fantasy. Oh, select all the bridges, verify. All right, let's go, Google. (laughs) Here we go. Here I sit clicking on the traffic lights. The CAPTCHA, something, something, something. Yeah, potato fantasy family restaurant. Although this person is saying that it's all fake. That he didn't have a potato fantasy what? restaurant. What? That someone mm-hmm. made up this joke? Well, let me see. Okay, so the second most problematic thing in the movie, I wouldn't say it's... I don't know. Other people on Reddit are like, it's real. So... Gotcha. I believe it's real. Chips I don't know. and chunks. That's a very, very good... No, look at this. He's got so... There's so many... You can see so many menus online. There's no way... Like, if it was only one, I'd be like, okay, somebody photoshopped that. But there's a lot. That's a lot of work to make such a a hoax. I mean, people have put a lot of work into hoaxes, but for an internet hoax like that... Like, what what was that big one? Like, uh, Christ for Arms? (laughs) It It was a chain restaurant. Like, when the person made up the fake cover for Christ for Arms and then... People right. were like, I want to see this movie. I want to see this movie. I'm like, it is fake. This is clearly fake. <laughs> Daldo, the EDM artist, which is who is not real either. EDM wasn't a thing in the days of VHS. This is a joke. But they only did the one image. But imagine if someone really, really wanted you to think Christ for Arms was real. And they made like multiple images. They made fake press kits. They made the back of the VHS box. They made like fake fil- st- uh, film stills. Oh, apparently he maybe had multiple restaurants. This was a thing. Okay. So. Well, the second most problematic thing that Jessica was also hinting at in the movie is a plot line, which in and of itself, I don't think is problematic. Like, you could tell that story today because it turns out Holly Golightly. You could not tell that story today. Yes, you could. In today's world? I'm not saying there's, I'm not making a judgment that it's right or wrong. But I'm saying, like... Not in this country. No, that this stuff still happens in this country. Not, maybe not the age she was. So not it turns out she moved... I don't, I don't moved, think you can get married anywhere in the U.S. under, like, 15. I don't think that that's true. I think you can get married at, like, 14 in some states in the country. So it turns out the reason why she's this free-spirited, very uh, upper-class-looking lady who's, like, cut a path for herself in life is because she left Texas where she had been married at 13 or 12 years old. It, it was, it's 14. They said, quote unquote, going on 14. And right. everyone cites it as 14. So, so she's 13 when she was married to this much older man played by Buddy Epson, who is the the dad from the Beverly Hillbillies, which came out the year after this movie. But he comes looking for her. So her writer slash... Uh, sugar daddy sugar baby friend like is there to witness this of this like ex-husband from texas who had married her when she was 13 coming to find her and he's actually very distraught because he's like wow this is he's like 
he finds it bizarre at the time. He's like, wow, this is actually shocking to learn about my friend. And he doesn't judge her for it, but he's very quieted by it. And so you could tell he's like taking this information in. And for 1961, I found that to not to be a surprising take on such a bizarre story turn for him to learn that she had been married at 13 and moved away to live in New York and like be more upper class for herself and find her own way in life. And he's quieted by it and he doesn't know what to say and think about it. So he, you can see in the actor's eyes and this is the actor who plays the guy in the movie is not very well known, but he like plays it so subdued. Like this is shocking to me. I don't know what to say. I'll be here for my friend and I'll be here for this situation. But you can tell he's very confused and quieted by it and doesn't know what to say. And then he just kind of like, deals with it and they go on being friends again after that moment in the story it is bizarre i am not making uh value judgments on whether or not it's right or wrong for a 13 year old girl to marry like a 30 year old guy that's clearly wrong it's absolutely wrong but that's the story that's her character background and you can make a story of such a bizarre you know bad situation and have that be the motivation for the character. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm it's wrong. I'm saying it's wrong. But I'm saying for it to be in this story isn't in and of itself problematic. It's part of the story. It's part of the background of the character. And I was shocked. I had no idea that comes up in the story, especially when uh Holly Golightly and Audrey Hepburn it's she's like sold on like posters and pictures of her are on like accessories right. and women's bags and backpacks and merchandise and then you find out that there's a second act plot thing where it turns out she had been married at 13 and ran away to start her own life in the city i was like what <laughs> i was shocked to learn that that's a story moment in the movie so most states have a minimum age range for minors with parental consent ranging from 12 to 14 and 12 to 17 years old yeah, however california and mississippi do not have minimum age ranges for minors to be allowed to marry with parental consent wow good lord wow i didn't know that that's so messed up do better america what are you doing it's messed up <laughs> I do. I, I had a feeling. I've heard in recent times that like you can get married very young. I mean, Mandy Moore got married in A Walk to Remember. <laughs> she was like seventeen or eighteen, and those were special circumstances. <laughs> I'm just joking, mentioning that. But I had a feeling because, and we've talked about it at some point in the past. But I'm from Massachusetts, and like one of the most shocking things, it's a very blue state, but the age of consent there is sixteen. And I was like, it was when I was a kid because, like, when I was in high school, you'd like, I'd see girls and they have like adult boyfriends, and it's like, it's legal in this state. It's like, okay, it's weird, but it's like totally legal. Hey, and adult men, <laughs> why do you want to date children? It's fucked it's up. It's weird. It's <laughs> fucked up. Great. Now I got to bleep things in this episode. Thanks a lot, creepy men. Now I have to do more work editing this episode and bleep Jessica's swears. Well, let's go ahead and take our break. We can't end it there before the break. (laughs) Well, my my laptop's battery is about to die. And so if we don't stop now, uh, we could lose the entire episode, which might be a good thing, actually. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Worth checking out to just be aware of those two things. 
Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. New episodes are released every other week, but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us. You can join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week. When you sign up, you'll get access to years of backlog episodes, including our discussions of the songs from Relying K is for karaoke, every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Relying K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include... Charity, Samantha H. Number 1, Samantha H. Number 2, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Relying K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, true. And I said, what about... Breakfast at Tiffany's, she said, I think it's messed up she was 13. Exactly. So we didn't talk about that. We'll talk about it after your deep dive. But the next most important thing in relation to the phrase breakfast at Tiffany's, after the movie, after the original book, after breakfast at Tiffany's, the Reliant K's track, the fourth most important thing is the Deep Blue Something song, Breakfast at Tiffany's, a big 90s soft rock track. That's how we're going to end the episode, because there are no covers of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Go figure. And there are no shipping videos, and there are no derivative works by fans. But first, let's hear about your your deep dive. Well, we have song meanings, because of course we do. There's only two, though. However, I love that on song meanings, the lyrics say... Good morning, Tiffany. <laughs> Instead of Tiffany. Uh, general comment. Katie Freeman on July 6, 2009 said, First off, it's cinnamon toast, not French. And secondly, it's not um. Oh, okay, there we go. They're just submitting corrections. Nothing about the fact that it's Tiffany and not Tiffany, though. Yeah. I do find it odd. Of Every decision with the Relying K track is... Every decision was bad. I touched on it, but scrambled eggs and cinnamon toast. French toast is a better choice for the dialogue in this. French toast is a staple. I guess there's a serving cinnamon toast crunch. That's the thing. Is like what is cin- what is cinnamon toast to me? The cinnamon taste you can see to me. Cinnamon toast is just toast that you sprinkle some cinnamon on. I guess technically you can take some cinnamon bread and toast it. You put some cinnamon and sugar on it. I used to, my mom used to make it yeah. for me. Usually it's a like kid. a thicker cut piece of bread, but it's just like toast with cinnamon on it. It's not like fried in in an egg batter like 
French toast. I think cinnamon toast is just regular right. toasted bread with cinnamon sugar and maybe a little butter. Mm-hmm. So it's that's not like a great thing. I mean, cinnamon toast is nice, but I just don't think of it as like, mmm, timpani, thank you for this amazing breakfast. Toast. Because cinnamon toast is just toast with some extra stuff on top. French toast takes effort. French toast is beautiful. It's it's bread dipped in egg and then fried up. That's that's a breakfast staple. And there's so much you can do with French toast. You can put maple syrup on it. You can put uh, uh, not sour cream, whipped cream. I've never put... once known you to order French toast. No, I, I no, I. You know what? I don't. I don't really get French toast and pancakes that often it's not something i like i don't like a big plate of carbs for breakfast that's not my style i don't like a lot of sugar for well not breakfast. sweet carbs yeah. anyway you like other kinds of carbs you'd eat a giant thing of potato fantasies for breakfast <laughs> i know <laughs> I, I love hash browns i love different kinds of i love all the different kinds of potatoes that <laughs> mickey rooney sold as potato fantasy but I don't like a big sugary carb breakfast. I've never been a big sugar breakfast guy. I, 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 when I was a kid, though, I was. I loved pancakes back then. I love, but you know, I get a hankering for pancakes. Yeah. I get a hankering for a waffle. I get a hankering for French toast. But yeah, you've never known me to order those things because I have to have the hankering for it. Anyway, cinnamon toast. I think that was a bad choice for the little script for this. I think it should have been French toast. Well, Toby Hawkboys on August 19th, 2010, commented, I love the belch at the beginning and the Ahersh reaction. I swear, they recently, like just today, had to have lowered the how how high, low, whatever you can fly over our area. To the Van Nuys because, Airport. Or Burbank, either one. Because these planes have been really low today. One set off a car alarm <laughs> Uh, so that's what I have for that. And then the only other thing that I have is Josh Below ranked this song number 173 out of 193 songs from his <laughs> blog, Every Reliant K Song Ranked from July 2nd, 2020. So he didn't rank it quite as low as you do, Dan. I, but... I think that his lowest is... Uh, faking, faking my own suicide yeah. i remember we talked about that in that episode years ago but can you read what's just can you read like the first five below this because to me totally valid to put faking my own suicide at the end of the list especially if you have very specific uh thoughts on what's his name again josh something I'm not 100% sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly. B-A-L-O-G-H. Right. Well, he has very specific take. He has a very specific take on faking right. about suicide. Makes sense to put that last. This track goes right under that one to me. So I want to know what what lost even more to this track to him. Okay. So What's underneath what? this one, you're, go- you're going to be offended by this. Uh-oh. Candy Hearts. What? Then BMI Valentine, and I'm going backwards. No, this doesn't make so any sense. Those this are is both... leading up to the, what what this poster considers the worst. Uh, Dr. Worm. What? Disaster. The hell? Gloria. Five okay. Iron Frenzy is either dead or dying. No. Ska version. No. Five Iron Frenzy is either dead no. or dying. This is, a compl- this, is a, this is an objectively incorrect list then. Outro. Oasis. What? Benediction. 
kids on the street. I can understand putting benediction low because it's like, what's the point? And I can under- I don't agree with putting kids on the street that low. Like, yes, it's like, what what do you need it for? But I think kids on the street actually serves a very interesting purpose on the album. Fleer, William Register, Curb. Yeah, you just you don't listen to the songs. B-Rad. Kojak is an amazing song. Right. Uh, Anchorage <laughs> and then PTL. And then finally, Faking My Own suicide. PTL is definitely not worse <laughs> than... Even I can, I can agree to that. I can understand... Yeah, I can understand <laughs> putting Gloria under lower than Breakfast at Timpanies. Like I said, that's a, that's that's probably the most derived... Derived, derived, the most derivative. The mo- no, the most Wait. hated song on Collapsible uh, Lung reviled? by Deep Reviled song overall on Collapsible Lung. The fact that Oasis and Outro, even though they are shorter from Forget and Not Slow Down and Flare, are lower than that this doesn't make that, any sense. No, that makes no, no damn absolutely sense. not. That's this is an objectively incorrect list. This is a That's flawed it. list. I'm never coming back to this. I just want to say because when I'm really hurting for content, I'll come back to this list. Never again. Never again. Because I've never really paid super close attention to this list previously. Just like where these things rank in this person's list. We reached no. <laughs> the breakfast no. of Tiffany's line. <laughs> There's this line. There's this line that I think like. If you whatever you place below Breakfast at Tiffany's, unless Tiffany's, unless for some reason you really love that track, I think the standard Reliant K fan who listens to that and is at the at the very least puzzled and not amused by it, anything you place lower than that on your list, that's the Tiffany's line, and that is like that really tells what how you feel about Reliant K. See, I wouldn't even like if I put a list together and I had to take all 200. We it's like something like 200 songs on our list. If I took all 200 songs and I uh, put, had to put them in order, I would do it the way we did it, where it's like you don't count Savannah and Oasis and Baby as separate right. tracks. You have to count that. You as count one it as track. the Savannah Suite, you, or you count. Oasis and Savannah as one and you count Baby as another because technically those were written as separate songs even though they are melodically and structurally the same. But you, what did did he list uh, This Is The End and If You Want It Separately? Don't look. That's not worth checking. I'm just saying like... I would imagine so. Yeah, that is... I That is... You, Candy Hearts is not worse than this track. Candy Hearts is fun. Candy Hearts is really fun. Candy Hearts is like self-derivative it's a little bit of self-plagiarism it's it's like it's somewhere they'd been before but that's okay bands are allowed to write songs that sound the same when you put it in a context of an ep like it's one thing to be like if the next reliant k album had the same like retreaded the same ground again with doing nothing different then you'd be like yeah i can't believe it but if they put on an ep with a song called candy hearts and it sounds like chapstick, chaplets, and things like chemistry. That's a fun thing to get. That's not a problem. That's not less than breakfast at Timpanies. <laughs> well, Dan, what do you have for us since you don't have much? We don't even have like a like a fan music video where it's like stick figures. And, yeah, uh, going, I, having I, breakfast. I'm or gonna anything. double check. I'm gonna double check once more. But I really don't. I really didn't find anything like that. I didn't try spelling reliant with an A <laughs> for anyone who... Sometimes I have to do that when I'm really hurting for 
covers and stuff, I double check Reliant spelled the correct way just to see who uploaded it. Yeah, nothing. nothing's really coming up. I can't believe we've so far recorded an hour and nine minute episode on Breakfast at Timpanies. <laughs> it shouldn't surprise me. And yet. No, there's nothing. Well, so we don't have any covers, no videos. Like, yeah, not even a slideshow. Not even just a slideshow where, like, that's such a common thing that people just, kids back in the 2000s just put together. You get a couple of JPEGs off of Ask Jeeves that represent the song. And or you like, put here's them in me and my friends editor. having breakfast one day. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, we're going to talk about Deep Blue Something, who were this band from Texas, the same place that Holly Golightly herself was from, actually. That's true. And you may have heard this song before. This is a super 90s. This is the 90s of 90s songs. <laughs> So this song, wow, this song has 275 million regular listens on Spotify. Uh, Their second biggest song is a different version of Breakfast. Oh, it's like the earlier mix of the song from the, I guess, the earlier album than their big breakthrough album. And then their their third biggest. so, So. Breakfast at Tiffany's, the classic late nine, mid to late nineties hit song, two hundred and seventy five million listens. The slightly earlier recorded different mix of the same song, seven point seven million monthly listeners. Wow. Their third biggest song, five hundred and sixty eight thousand listens. <laughs> it's like not even a million. Right. Like there's such a huge drop off. Halo is their is their second biggest. It's their third biggest track, their second biggest song. So this was this was a top example of a one-hit wonder. This do you remember this song at all from the '90s? Really vaguely, like I feel like it would play in the grocery store and stuff when I was like grocery shopping with my mom. '95. I didn't realize this was '95. I would have thought this was something like '96 or '97, and I'm usually good. With, uh, you know, remembering things from the 90s, more or less. Because like, usually I can connect it to a memory of what grade was I in, and then I can figure it out from there. But for some reason, I can't place a specific memory for this song, except that this video used to play on MTV all the time. And MTV was still playing videos, so that makes sense. So it would definitely be pre, like, 2000, you know, it would have to be the 90s. Because when did MTV really stop playing videos? Probably around... They started slowing down on videos around 2001, 2002-ish. You know, they started playing more and more uh, non-video programming every year. But by in the mid-90s, they were still playing tons of videos. The Breakfast at Tiffany's video was on MTV like three or four times a day. I saw this video a whole bunch back then in the 90s. So I heard the song a bunch, but I had no interest in this band. And I thought it was catchy at the time. But now, thinking back on it, thinking of like 90s soft rock, obnoxious, you know, way too sugary pop rock song. I'm like, is this song worse than Breakfast at Timpanies? (laughs) No, it's not. But I did listen to this song a bunch this week. And I'm like, "Uh, this is really, this is really grating on my last nerve. (laughs) It's so, so 90s. And they look 
so 90s in the video, especially the lead singer. Danny, he has not a fan of glasses. anything that has to do with breakfast. At no. <laughs> the, how does the how is the movie the best of the three things that oh, we have no. to talk about? I would say the movie is the best thing in that. The movie minus oh, Mickey Rooney right. is the best thing we we've we talked we prepared for this episode. I would say Breakfast at Tim, Tiffany's the song by Deep Blue Something is the second best thing. I would say and, and, and now we get down to the nitty gritty. What's worse, the Relying K track or the racism from the movie, oh, which I Danny, parsed out. You know Obviously the, answer to the that. racism is worse. Um yeah, so Deep Blue Something. We watched a video from, uh, what, what are they called? Rock Theory? Song Theory? What's the name of that YouTube channel? Hold on. Let me look it up. Keep talking so I don't have to edit. Tell the people, Jessica, what's your favorite kind of mid-90s soft rock? Ah. <laughs> uh, like, do you like a little bit of, uh, do you like a little bit of Toad the Wet Sprocket? That's, I like that one song that's on the Empire Records soundtrack. They Crazy were, Life by Todd and the Wet Sprocket is on there. Toad and the Wet Sprocket. Toad and the Wet Sprocket. Todd and the Pure Book of Evil Wet Sprocket. I didn't realize there's a Toad the Wet Sprocket song on uh, the Empire Records soundtrack. Empire yeah. Records is a very good movie. It is. Yeah. So good. I really think it is an underrated. There are, there are very... There are very gentle quick moments in that movie that are very touching but you miss them they are like so quiet and like very thoughtful that you don't you leave most movies thinking of the big sweeping moments but usually it's the little touches the little character moments that are instantly forgettable but they paint a nice picture of the movie the two of the biggest examples i know from like spielberg related movies one is jaws directed by spielberg where brody and his kid are just like making faces at each other at the kitchen table that serves no purpose to the jaws the story of jaws most people don't immediately think of that as a one of the biggest moments from jaws but it paints a picture of these characters and it's a nice moment and then in a uh, back to the future produced by spielberg there's that moment where Marty's girlfriend like looks down at the while she's writing down her the where she's going to be at the party or something she's writing down the phone number or whatever Mm -hmm. and he like for a moment just kind of like leans in to sniff her hair (laughs) it's like such a forgettable moment but it's a tiny quiet moment that really paints the picture of the world there's a lot of little touches like that in Empire Records and you don't think of them but they're in there and it paints like this picture of these characters this found family that are all together in this like cool 90s place it's just a very nice movie and if you take the moment to really pay attention to it there's a lot of fun stuff in it yeah very well said anyway um yeah it was a rock and roll true stories is this youtube channel i watch sometimes because he just kind of like compiles honestly just kind of compiles wikipedia information about different bands but unlike say a punk rock mba who just like really just like does a cursory search i think true rock and roll stories he does a little bit more than wikipedia like he'll he'll look into the just below the surface information and give you the basic ideas of the history of some rock bands and stuff um he talked about the the youtube video is called deep blue something whatever happened to the band behind breakfast at tiffany's and then it turns out you know 
they had one hit wonder and then their story is not that dramatic. It's like they had this one hit. It worked out really well for them and they knew they were never going to have another big hit again. So most of the guys from the band went on to work in music production. They were like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to maintain. They like knew Mm -hmm. this wasn't going to sustain into a career for them as a band. So they all pivoted into other careers in music. Good for them. Really good for them. To sort of be like, you know, some bands, like the tragic story of a one-hit wonder is you have the one hit and then they keep working and working, trying to maintain, trying to get another hit and it never works out and people make fun of them for it. But they just kind of saw the writing was on the wall for themselves as a band. Like how Chubby Checker had 15 different versions of the joint <laughs> Let's twist for a fourth time, baby. <laughs> Remember when we twisted just last year where we're twisting again and it's number six. Yeah. We listened, we had a whole uh, Chubby Checker uh, marathon where you listen to all the different versions. It's it's the Halloween twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that I, all you have for us today, Dan? I found some punk and metalish covers of Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something, but I don't know. I don't feel like talking about it. I guess we got to learn a little bit about the timpani and then we're done. Okay. Do you want to learn a little bit about the timpani drum? Sure. A timpani or kettle drum, also simply informally called a timp, which almost sounds like a like a problematic word, are musical instruments in the percussion family. A type of drum categorized as a hemispherical drum that consists of a membrane called a head stretched over why are why are all the sounds dirty yeah why are all the 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 vernacular of drums so disgusting uh stretched over the head of a large bowl traditionally made of copper thus timpanis are an example of kettle drums also known as vessel drums and semi semi semi-spherical drums this this drums just got so many names whose body is similar to a section of a sphere whose cut conforms the head most modern timpanis are pedal timpani and can be tuned quickly and accurately to specific pitches by skilled players through the use of movable foot, foot pedals. Ooh, do you think uh, that that gets that get, gets Matt Hoops all excited? Yeah. He's like, ooh, a pedal drum. I'm real excited now. They are played by striking the head with a specialized drumstick called a timpani stick or a timpani mallet. Nobody, everything about the timpani's got a hundred, every little, like every piece has got a hundred different names. No one can agree. It's called this. It's called that. Um, timpani's evolved from military drums to become a staple of the classical orchestra by the last third of the 18th century. Today, they are used in many types of ensembles, including concert bands, marching bands, orchestras, and even some rock bands, such as Reliant K. <laughs> which by the way i guess there might be a, there's there's apparently timpanis i can imagine where they are i can't literally think of the moment where they are but there are timpanis in deathbed there are timpanis mm. used in deathbed so jessica of the two major relying k tracks that use timpani which is your favorite Breakfast, Breakfast at, at Timpanies. Timpanies or Deathbed? Breakfast at Timpanies. Uh, it, and it's one's a super long song and one's a really short skit. How do you feel about skits in albums overall? Do you have any favorite skits from albums? Ooh, I would really have to think about that. Now I'm not sure. 
I haven't thought about that in quite some time, actually. That was sort of a, a 90s staple of a thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a thing that happens every once in a while. Well, oh, yeah. Well, look at uh, tickets to my downfall, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give me some doop doops. Doop doop doop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, adjacent to that, I was also thinking of the interludes in Blink-182's uh, 2003 album because they are so skippable. They are they don't offend me as deeply as Breakfast at Tiffany's, but the two interludes in the self-titled, in untitled, self-untitled Blink-182 album, there's the, the Fallen interlude, right? That's like the one that's like, it's just like a hip-hop beat. It's like clearly Travis, like, okay, Travis, here you go. You can do your hip-hop beat. And then what's the other one called? The shoot. What's that one called? It it, it almost offends me as much as uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's because it's this. Hold on, it's this one. I don't know if you ever heard this Stockholm Syndrome interlude. Are you familiar with this? I've missed you very very much since no. we together. So this is the intro to Stockholm Syndrome. My but I remember the first time I heard the two thousand three. Blink-22 album. There's, it's How long is this track? It's a minute and a half and it's just this piano and wind going and it's this voice going, I think of you every day. It's like a, it's like a, like she's reading a letter. Big D has some. Big D has a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. But when I would hear this Blink-22 interlude, Stockholm Syndrome interlude, because like, I didn't know Blink-22 was kind of done with like the farts and disgusting jokes. I was like, where's the punchline? Where's the thing where she like flushes a toilet at the end or something? And it's like, no, it's just like Blink-22 being all being all like the cure and all heartfelt and all deep <laughs> and emotional and stuff. I was I like, don't know if oh, I go that far. Yeah, I don't know. Or artsy, like trying to be artsy, which now is my favorite thing about Tom DeLonge. I don't know if this, I feel like this was probably written by Tom DeLonge because my favorite thing about Tom DeLonge is he is like this cornerstone of like, like disgusting sex jokes and like heartfelt attempts at art. He's like this dude bro who is like also this, this class who wants to be a classical artist (laughs) in his form, in the forms of the things he does. And it's such a, dichotomy of 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 uh not styles but of philosophies in this one guy and he believes in aliens so it's like very interesting anyway that's another thing i think of interludes yeah Bl- uh, uh, big d and the kids table do a lot of little interludes and i'm not even thinking of musical interludes but just like skits and bits and like uh atmospheric setups and stuff there's tell with the devil opens with like sounds of hell it's like <gasps> I don't know. It sounds. It starts with like some Dante's Inferno stuff, and then to help with the devil starts. I used to put on mix CDs. I would put in like little sound bites from like things that I like, like that '70s show or Twin Peaks or whatever. Oh, yeah. oh the Mallrats soundtrack, which we got to do as a Patreon episode sometime. <laughs> the Mallrats soundtrack has clips from the movie. So does the Clerk soundtrack, which I never owned, but I did own the Mallrats soundtrack. So I don't know. Just, 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 they, they, wasn't there something better? Did they have anything better on deck? Did Reliant K have any better comedy bit, no, interstitial joke idea? Not for another year. There could have been some <laughs> better joke, some better thing to do, but instead we got Breakfast at Tiffany's. Timpanies. Personally, my bottom tier Reliant K track of all time. So, Dan, do you like this song more, less, or the same? <laughs> I guess I like it technically less. 
because I hadn't spent any time thinking about this track for the last several years. And even when we almost did this song earlier in the history of the podcast, I didn't listen to it when we almost did it those times. So it was always probably just in my head as like, oh yeah, that's that really dumb, badly executed joke. But I just forgot how awful it is until we listened to it. Especially when it's just like clink, 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 clink. Clink, 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 clink. Like, how many people are in that room? <laughs> April's scared again. Poor April. How many people are in that room having breakfast at Timpanies? And why are they just going so fast with the fork? So, it's just this, this, the whole time, the whole time. I'm really sorry to anybody wearing headphones <laughs> listening to this. I'm well, sorry if you wear <laughs> headphones and you listen to breakfast at Timpanies. <laughs> I like it about the same. I didn't really think much about this song. Before. Get out of my house. <laughs> I didn't really think much about this song before outside of the title. And I'll continue to do that. <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening. I'm sorry if we've lost all of the big Breakfast at Timpanies fans. but Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Be safe out there and have a great week.